Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thanks for joining us. Tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is a former professional hockey player, having spent several years of his career playing in the NHL. What seemed to be the pinnacle of success on paper proved to be an ongoing game of mental toughness and resilience. And for our guest, it was a game not always won. Meet Chris Beach. Today, Chris is a certified professional trainer a performance enhancement specialist and corrective exercise specialist through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. In 2017, Chris founded AIM Mind Training, a business that helps athletes harness the power of meditation and mindfulness to improve in their chosen sport. Really, this improves the potential and well-being in any regard. Please help me welcome, it is Chris Beach. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, Josh? Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I want to start by connecting the dots for us. You spent many years on the ice, and now you are doing something uh, completely different. How did you get from there to here? And more specifically, was this path that you're on now, looking back, was this something that you saw yourself working towards in some way all along? Or did you sort of back into it unexpectedly and embrace it? Well, I think... um I think it was it was something that I uh, kind of fell upon based on my experience. Uh, but in saying that, um, I always enjoyed coaching. I think I had a knack for it, even at a, as a young hockey player. If I was if I was teaching uh, young young um, young kids how to play hockey, I always enjoyed coaching and and had a, a natural knack for it. Um, but in terms of mindfulness, yeah, it was. Um, through my experience in my career and, and uh, the impact uh, mindfulness had, uh, you know, about 10 years into my career uh, that really inspired me to, to um, share that with others. And, 
you know, I, I realized in order to do that, I would need to get the appropriate training. And uh, towards the end of my career, I started to pursue and explore um, getting that training. And now um, have been uh, doing it, uh, you know, since I retired about four four years ago. So, but yeah, and it was, um, uh, you know, you nailed it in the intro. There was a lot of uh, a lot of great moments within my athletic career. I mean, playing at the highest level. Um, in, in the world, you know, there's 600 players in the NHL and, uh, uh, I was one of those players at that time. So, um, you know, uh, high, highly drafted young prospect in the first round in 99 as a seventh overall pick. And, uh, so a lot of expectation moving into my career and, and, um, you know, it was, a, it was definitely, uh, some successes, but, uh, a lot of adversity as well. And, um, in a combination, the, the pressure to live up to expectations mixed with um, some health uh, issues in, in relation to the mind. It was definitely a, an up and down uh, experience and one that uh, took me to a place, uh, again, 10 years in, where I had to really make a choice on whether I was going to continue playing or, or um, you know, I really need to find, find something that would... Uh, that would help me uh, with with the game because I was in a bad space, space with it, and uh, I still had a love deep down inside for it. But um, the the thinking and behavioral patterns I had established over the years were were really handcuffing that love and, and handcuffing my confidence, my skill, and uh, you know uh, taking away from my overall well being uh, away from the ice as well. So. Oh. Um, you know, I did a little, I did a little exploration and, and research into a few different, few different areas, including uh, at the time neuroplasticity was uh, was garnering a lot of um, research, and and uh, so I, I read a few books and and uh, looked into that a little bit and started to understand that the brain was um, was malleable and uh was plastic and i could make changes in it and and at, at around the same time this is about 2010 um mindfulness and meditation was getting a lot of um, recognition and and uh in the research uh, as a as something that could facilitate uh, neuroplastic changes in certain parts of the brain so being an athlete and understanding uh repetition and practice um, it, it, uh, mindfulness and meditation was, a um, something that resonated with me because I knew how to practice and I knew how to commit to something and, and put effort into something. And, and the new knowledge I gained with, um, with that, with neuroplasticity, it, uh, it made a lot of sense to me. And, and I found, uh, yeah, like I said, significant, significant benefit with the practice and performance and, and well-being and, and, um, again, inspired me to, to learn how to share that with others. So here we are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Prior yeah. to all that, you mentioned that the first 10 years of your career uh, were without a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. Paint, paint that picture for us. What was it? Was just a lot of a lot of struggle, a lot of emotional turmoil, anger, frustration, confusion? What was happening during those first 10 years? Yeah, well, it was, um, you know, it was something that, again, it was a combination of, of health, like a, um, a clinical health 
issue with with uh, with the brain, um, uh, plus the you know the the environment is uh, ultra competitive, and um, you know I was my biggest critic in terms in terms of the expectations I placed on on who I was and my identity as as a player, and, and um, you know from a young age of so 12, 13, I was being compared to you know these really these really uh, famous uh, hockey players and all the way up. So wow. the combination of this expectation and living up to that expectation with with um, you know some health issues as well. And um, you know my first experience with uh, anxiety was um, post traumatic eating disorder from a personal life experience. Um, that I'd had dealt with for about uh, four or five years, from the age of seventeen to to twenty two. So it was an anxiety disorder uh, where I had a hard time uh, holding meals down, and and um, I had a hard time. It's not that I was thinking about my weight, but it was I was actually trying to put weight on. But it was just this this reaction that I had uh, developed from this personal life trauma. Um, that uh, that was my you know, original experience with anxiety. And then from there, um, it would be, it would be a part of my experience. So uh, I was managing that the best I could. I had a lot of support. I had access to some of the best sports psychologists in, in North America. So in a lot of great positions and my mm-hmm. family was uh, quite supportive. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I, I, I was uh, definitely had the people around me, uh, to, to keep me going and, and uh, help me, uh, you know, accomplish what I accomplished. But it was definitely, definitely um, a battle. And, and um, you know, that, that expectation I had set as a young athlete, I was going to be a star, I was going to be a franchise player for, for an NHL club. Um, and that was the bar. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you off, off the, you know, off the podcast that I spent a lot of time between the NHL and the minor leagues. And, um, you know, I was always trying to hit that bar and anything below that, that superstardom, um, I considered uh, a failure. So even though I was having success as a high level athlete, uh, it's, there was still a, there's still this hint of, of failure with, with whatever I was doing. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a definitely, uh, a bit of an up and down ride um, for that that time period, and then, you know, I got to a point uh, seven years in, uh, more uh, six year in, um, where, uh, you know, my my resilience was really getting chipped away at, and my ability to to bounce back from within the ups and downs of the game was um, was virtually non-existent. And, uh, that was, uh, that was the first time I was diagnosed with, um, major depressive disorder, um, which was at the time I was in the minor leagues in Syracuse and, and, um, you know, it, it was a really, a really tough time. I had a hard time going to the rink and, and uh, uh, getting myself, um, to practice. Uh, but I kept showing up and, and, um, you know, uh, eventually was was called back up to the NHL and played some great hockey um, you know during that time uh, in the NHL um, and then from there from that diagnosis it was you know it was again it was ups ups and downs and I was 
trying to manage uh, the treatments and the thoughts of uh, being weak and not wanting to, mm. to be on a certain medication to help me. Um, so it was definitely a, a process in figuring out uh, the best fit for me uh, in terms of, of managing that health and, and managing the experience. And, and um, you know, mindfulness really gave me uh, clarity on a lot of different things um, in terms of the decisions I, I would make to, to contribute to my, my health and well-being. And that was really, that was really the, the key to my full, full recovery of what, uh, what I was going through. You've mentioned the word expectations a few times now, and I know that that's something we can all relate to. How did this form in your life? Where did these expectations come from? Um, I think it was uh, partially just part of my, my makeup. My family, um, also high achievers. My father was a physician. My, my brother was, a, was a, you know, an engineer, brilliant in, in school. And, um, you know, my sister's an ICU nurse and nurse. And so it was a, it's definitely a, a high achieving family. And I think obviously a little bit of genetics uh, come into factor there um, in terms of that internal internal uh, drive. Um, but yeah, as I, as I, like I said, as a young, a young athlete, I was getting compared to everyone under the sun, um, people that I idolized and looked up to. And uh, so there's a lot of hype as a young as a young athlete, and and um, I was I was right in there with that hype, obviously as a as a immature uh, adolescent. And my parents were they were along along for the ride too, and no fault to them. Um, they were you know they were uh, moving through that experience for the first time as well. So uh, there was a, there wasn't much of, of grounding in a way. So you kind of. You build this this vision of yourself and this uh, this ego and and um, you know and, and this expectation and and in my mind um, you know it was uh, I was already I was already that uh, that superstar but I had a lot of a lot of work to go before I even came close to a lot of the players I was being compared to so um, definitely that hype and, and that uh, initial external uh, validation comparisons to, to other people contributed to those expectations and, and what I thought was uh, was the only way to success. So. But there is a fine line, right? Because it sounds like you're saying in your mind, in your eyes, you had to envision yourself as that major success that you were going for. Yeah. I read and I play that game all the time, right? They say, be the person you want to emulate and uh, yeah. so you can attract the success. So yes. there seems to be a fine line between visualizing and taking on the confidence of the players you aspire to shortly be like and be colleagues of there, right? Is it a fine line where... Um, Definitely where a fine line in my perspective on... on um on visions uh, and, and belief in, compared to expectation, um, you know, I think I think expectation is is uh, is something that you craft on exactly how it should look. And um, whereas what I've learned is to 
absolutely have a vision, but uh, you have to be very open and flexible to how that how that vision uh, unfolds. Um, so, you know, for me, uh, absolutely the the belief and um, the vision is something I had uh, from a very early age. I was going to be an NHL hockey player, but I think what what the um, the difference was was those expectations of yeah. of timelines, how it would look and where it would be, and and um, always kind of always kind of being in the future and not not taking mm. care of um, of, of uh, where I was at and embracing where I was at, uh, you know, contributed to to that grinding of the gears through the experience. So, um, you know, and, and that's something I've learned is that, uh, especially with, with what I'm doing now uh, in business, um, you know, I've learned that, yes, the vision you see, you see it, uh, but it's in the back of my mind. And I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't go to it too often. I ensure that, uh, that I'm, I'm open to the experiences I'm going through uh, right now and understand that, that uh, quite often our visions, our dreams will unfold in many, many different ways and they may take many different paths. Um, so that's, that's my perspective on the difference between expectation and, uh, and vision. So what was the, what was the moment like for you when you got the news and what, what was happening when your, that dream was realized Chris Beach is going to be playing in the NHL. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was phenomenal. I mean, the uh, the NHL draft that day was uh, was an amazing experience, and being recognized as uh, at that point the you know the seventh best player in the world at my age at, at eighteen. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to match uh, that type of feeling and. And, um, uh, you know, to play my, my first, uh, NHL game was, was phenomenal. And then, uh, yeah, I was drafted by Washington and then traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And in fact, was able to, to play a whole season alongside Mario Lemieux, who is, you know, obviously for those, those of you that know hockey, one of the best players to ever put on skates and, and a huge child that I of mine. So I've had some amazing experiences and um, uh, successes within my career and to be, you know, to be skating alongside players like that. Um, I can, it, it was phenomenal, but it was also a little bit, you know, there's also a little bit, uh, especially with guys like that, it was like, wow, do I, how <laughs> am I really out here with, with those, those guys? So there's a little bit of, a little bit of that uh, kind of awe. Um, you know, and, uh, so yeah, but it was, um, again, that's, that's the thing when looking back, there's, there's so many successes and, and, uh, uh you know, the, um, the point I was at within my career, I, I, when I started to really make a shift, um, I didn't see my career as, as being successful. And that was, that was, uh, something that I had to really work on and um, really shift my perspective on my career. And eventually I started to understand that I, I, um, I had a very successful 
career. But uh, uh, there was definitely a point where I viewed it as uh, unsuccessful based on that that uh, that identity and that expectation I, I had created. But uh, yeah, many phenomenal moments, uh, won championships at the, some of the highest levels and uh, not the not Stanley Cup, but, um, you know, pretty, pretty close uh, in terms of the competition. And, and again, that's a, that's a feeling of, of extremely intense uh, joy and, and satisfaction and, and uh, uh, really hard to, to match that type of an emotion uh, in that moment. So. so from your perspective, and I love that you've used that word a few times, perspective. Now you have all of this perspective. What have you what have you learned? How have you identified the quote unquote success in the form that it took place over your career in hockey? And what have you learned that about success and how are you redefining it? How did you define it? How, how are you placing all of that now? I think, you know, I think that, um, you know, for for me, I've I've learned so much about um, you know the day to day happiness and enjoyment and fulfillment of what you're doing. Um, I've learned that uh, you know you, you get to a goal, and quite often once you get there, it's like okay, what's next? I mean, um, I studied a, a master's of sports management at the end of my career and I was super excited and then I got it and I was like okay what's what's next now so I think the for me just really enjoying and and, you know being engaged and and fully present with what you're doing and and doing things that are fulfilling and and uh, that create uh happiness uh, on a day-to-day basis is really a big part of, of um, how I approach this new uh, this new venture you know that that internal intrinsic uh, motivation and, and satisfaction with what what uh, what we're doing um, and also I think the biggest thing that I learned and and, and you know through my uh, education as well in, in mindfulness is uh, um, really developing an understanding that every experience provides uh, value and every experience is, is an opportunity. And um, that's really, that's really helped, uh, um, you know, through an athlete transition into another career as an entrepreneur, uh, just, just embracing, embracing um, every experience along the way to that, that vision and that, uh, that envision with what we're doing and, and um, understanding that, that even the, uh, even the mistakes are things that may derail us off, off that path are, are valuable. And, and in fact, moving, moving towards uh, that type of vulnerability where there could be a chance of, of, um, of uh, you know, mistake or not things not going exactly how you, you expect it to um, so I'm, I'm at a point now that uh, I, I kind of get a little bit excited for when I feel uncomfortable with, with the situation and, and um, you know, where I, where I see it, it may challenge my, my skill set uh, to the max. So I get, a bit of, I get a bit excited now. So developing that attitude and approach 
um, to what I'm doing is definitely something I've learned uh, by taking a different perspective on on my my experience because that wasn't that wasn't how I approached my athletic career. So, you know, and and uh, I've been lucky to be connected with a, a variety of, of experts in this field and, and um, you know, learning about uh, the research going on, supporting uh, some of these uh, some of these skills that I've I've learned over the years um, in the real world is um, it's really uh, really really quite interesting and and just helped helped uh, in many ways in business development or coaching. It's been it's been phenomenal over the last uh, couple of years to be connected with such high level of of people and researchers and thinkers. So very lucky. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. And your current endeavor, Aim Mind Training, why that name? Um, well, Aim is an acronym for Athlete in Mind. Um, so that was the inspiration for Aim, and um, because, as I mentioned, the, uh, the form of training in terms of mindfulness and being able to sit down and practice focus, attention, awareness, um, you know, again, it resonated with me as an athlete, uh, someone who understood that when you put time into something, change happened. And uh, so uh, that was the inspiration behind that is that here's a, here's a, here's a skill. Uh, it is a skill, a skillful use of uh, awareness and attention. Um, and here's something that you can put time into. So that um, that was the inspiration for athlete in mind. So training training the mind uh, in in that way um, uh, was uh, was the inspiration behind that name. How do we begin to train the mind? I, I agree that it is a skill. So what what elements do we have to begin to implement? Well, I think the first the first step is to be open minded. Um, that is the the absolute first step and to understand just like any other skill that we're learning uh it's not always going to feel comfortable um and i think that's the biggest the biggest misconception with mindfulness and meditation is that it's solely about being uh, relaxed and focused and uh you know having that sense of ease or zen um and, and that is part of it, but there's also going to be parts of it where it is challenging and, um, and 
often uh, can be uncomfortable. Uh, so I think the the biggest thing is to be open minded to again to all the experiences and and um, you know understand that that um, there is going to be ups and downs with learning a new skill, just like any other any other skill. Uh, so that that would be the the first you know the first step would be to have that that open mind uh, towards towards practice. Um, you know some other really important misconceptions that people have about mindfulness and training focus and attention is that uh, you should be able to completely shut out thinking or stop thinking altogether or clear the mind and have this, again, this silence of complete focus and, and, and awareness. Um, and that is the, one of the biggest uh, hurdles for people. People will they'll not even try because they, they say, well, I can't, there's no way I can stop thinking. So I'm not even going to try. There's no way I can do it. Um, or they'll sit down and they'll be in a quiet space and, and they close their eyes and, and they soon realize that their mind is wandering all over the place. Uh, last week, next week, 10 years ago. Um, so that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that we're supposed to be able to shut thinking out and clear the mind and uh, um, again a big hurdle for people and uh, you know the process of, of awareness and awareness of the wandering mind and, and uh, normalizing that yes our mind is thinking quite often and then that's okay um, is is uh, is the process that we're training and that choice that we have to notice it and be aware of of it and uh, return our attention to to the focal point of of, uh, of the practice, which is quite often the aware, awareness of the breath or the body. Um, and it's that choice point. It's that that moment where we realize that our attention is is being drawn away, and it's that that point that we patiently, uh, kindly return and make that choice to return our, our attention. And that's what we're working on and um, uh, it doesn't matter how many times uh, we have to make that choice uh, you, you know you will you will become more aware of subtler levels of thinking and impulse uh, there, there may be moments of, of silence between thinking um, but I think uh, uh, to understand that thoughts will be part of the practice is really important as well um, and then you know, the willingness to put in the time is also uh, something that people uh, struggle with and find as, a, as an obstacle with a practice like mindfulness and, and meditation. Um, finding the time throughout the day to, to sit down and, and practice. And, and uh, when I'm talking to people, I, I do my best to help them understand that, um, that a formal practice where you actually sit down and put in a certain amount of time to the practice is um, is is quite important. Um, you will read that you will read here and there that you can you can apply mindfulness throughout your activity um, without that formal practice. But I think you're I think you can get benefit from that. But I think uh, you know you really to really maximize. Um, you know, the benefit, uh, that formal practice is, is important. And, uh, you know, a colleague of mine 
just finished, uh, she's a psychologist, just finished um, helping out on a research project at UCLA, UCLA and they were looking at uh, images of of, uh, of the brain in, in uh, Alzheimer's and dementia patients. Um, they had them, they had them sit uh, for 30 days in a row, practicing 20 minutes a day of, of breath awareness. And they were able to show in these images that parts of the brain responsible for executive functioning, decision making, uh, attention control, um, parts of the brain responsible for memory actually. Um, thickened and and uh, uh, the gray matter got got thicker in those areas and those in those in that patient population so um, you know and, and so that regularity that formal practice uh, the willingness to put in to put in the time is is uh, is really important where um, and where we find uh, a lot of the side benefits that come come with the training so um, those are you know so openness understanding that that thoughts are okay, um, and the willingness to, to put in the time is, is really, you're going to get a long ways uh, with those things. Talk to us for a minute about the the personal side of things. I know you had mentioned that there's, you find some sort of stigma with the phrase mental health. Tell yes. Me about that. Yeah, I, I just, you know, the mental, there's a definition in the dictionary, there's a, there's a good definition. Um, you know, in relation to the cognitive functions of uh, brain, um, but there's also there's also some slang, you know, associated with the word mental. Yeah, there's another definition there that's not super positive. Um, so for me, you know, I, I I hear it in conversation. I hear kids use mental uh, in a really negative way. Um, so I I would. I would love to to move away from mental and uh, just consider it as as health uh, health of of the mind um, brain health um, and, and get away from that word and, and uh, because for me um, as someone who's uh, who's been managing um, you know that type of a health disorder for over a decade now. Um, you know, I'm okay with it, and I've always viewed it as as a health issue, uh, just as a you know similar to a, to a physical health issue. So, you know, I'm I'm okay talking about um, you know my bipolar disorder. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that uh, because I know it's uh, I know it's you know a health a health issue, and, and that it's not uh, something to be ashamed of. Uh, but there's many others out there that um, are still are still managing that stigma and, and being afraid to to be open about it, and and um, there's a lot of shame still out there about these things, and and I just I just don't like that word. I think it's a there's a lot of negativity that comes with that word, and and um, you know I I, I think um, people that talk about their physical health have no no problem with it, but. Um, you add in that word and just it, it, people shy away from it. And quite interesting uh, as well, like I'm currently working on a uh, chronic brain disease program at the University of British Columbia here in BC. And, um, you know, we have, we have patients with uh, Parkinson's, Huntington's, um, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder. Um, and it's, it's quite interesting that, 
you know, these these brain diseases are are, are again they're they're health issues of, of the brain, but they're they're looked at slightly differently because um, with Parkinson's you can see someone uh, physically that that they're struggling, or with Huntington's the same thing, mm. but with with bipolar disorder or major depressive disorder, it's it's way harder to see. Um, you know, it's hard for for anyone to to see it in me. I'm I'm doing quite well. I'm, I've got the right treatment. I'm coaching. I'm on the ice, pre- performing high level skills for kids. Um, so it's it's really uh, it's it's for me again classifying as. Uh, as um, under the, the term health is is really important to get away from from that shame and, and that um, you know that negative negative uh, element of, of mental and um, yeah so it's, that's that's really really important for me and when I talk to the kids about this topic that's a that's something that I really ensure that they understand is that it's it's just like a, a physical health and, and we can yeah. be open about it. Yeah. Let's talk about the kids because that's your, that's your demographic that you serve through aim mind training. Yeah. How do you, how do you work with them? What are you implementing that we could, we could sink our teeth into and apply uh, to our own life or business? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, although I've I've had an experience with um, with the more of the clinical aspects of, of uh, brain health, what we're trying to do in in grassroots sports and in athletics is is really um, help uh, not only the kids but the, the organizations, the parents understand that these are these intangible skills of the experience are something that. Uh, we can work on and that we can enhance just like physical skills. So um, being, being proactive um, in, in including, uh, you know, these types of uh, programs, programming in, in that uh, day-to-day development model is, is where we're headed. And, and um, you know, and, and I can speak directly to the, the technical skill development of hockey we are bumping our head on the ceiling in terms of uh, the types of things you can do to improve your physical skills. Um, we're bumping our head on the ceiling in terms of our strength and conditioning. I think technology will, will give us another another level in that area. Um, but when it comes to uh, developing performance habits and, and behaviors uh, that uh, contribute to consistent confidence and uh, consistent uh, performance, these, these softer skills of the experience are, are where there's a gap and where we can really start to, to make some strides in proactive development. So um, that's what we're, we're working towards with this, with this platform that we're developing. And um, we've, we've hooked up with a variety of different uh, experts in the field. Um, and we have uh, um, developed a, a more personalized approach to, to the development where we partnered with a, a doctor at the University of Calgary, clinical psychologist who has uh, developed a, uh, an assessment um, based on his research over the past 25 years of, of what it takes to be uh, successful. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting, quite an interesting uh, assessment because 
it, it looks at these core competencies and life skills and, and you know, you look at them and it's, it's purely uh, transferable into anything that we're doing. And, um, and that's, that's the idea is to really enhance those uh, intangible skills that, that uh, you can gain through athletics and ensure that you're coming out on, on the other side with, um, with those skills that, that will lead into uh, many other things that, that you're doing in life. Well, wow. package this all up for us. What are what are we talking about here? What is the core message you like to get out today? I think the the core message is that um, you know putting time into practices such as mindfulness or visualization or um, you know those types of uh, those types of training um, even even counseling, regular counseling or um, anything in those areas where you're developing, uh, you know, certain aspects of the mind or developing certain aspects of uh, emotional development, um, you know, that these are, these are not strictly for people that are struggling or that are struggling with, um, with a more clinical health uh, disorder. Uh, these are things that, that um, are, um, again, we can be proactive with and something that I think uh, as we move towards um, the future are, are areas of uh, being human that will be highly valued. So, um, you know, if you look at some of the other uh, things going on in other industries and, and some of the hard skill mastery that we see disappearing into in, the way of, of automation and, and um, uh, you know computing power, uh, the value of, of the human human element and, and our ability in these soft skill areas is going to be going to be uh, um, paramount. And, and and I think I think in education it's it's uh, headed the same way um, with you know access to um, anything we really need uh, at the at our fingertips. Again these these human qualities that that these things have a hard time replicating are are going to be um, are going to be really important. You know, critical thinking, um, cognitive flexibility, creativity, uh, you know, empathy and compassion. These are these are things and skills that'll be uh, highly highly valued. So, um, athletics provides a, an unbelievable platform to to learn about yourself because every single day. You're stepping into an environment where you get immediate feedback on your challenges. Uh, so when you apply something like mindfulness to that environment, it's, it, it works the exact same same way. You have uh, an environment where you get uh, immediate feedback on on these skills. So um, you know, again, really, the message is uh, that it's something proactive. It's something that we can we can start to implement as part of our uh, our day-to-day development models in, in young student athletes the research is there uh, and um, we're, we're very excited to, to contribute to that to, to that effort that's that's amazing where can people uh, go to continue the conversation with you and see all the good work you're doing well there's uh, my site is amindtraining.com and I've got um, 
I'm on Instagram, aim.mind.training. I'm on Facebook, aimmindtraining, Inc. Uh, YouTube, I post um, regular videos there. Uh, again, aimmindtraining is the handle there. So um, all the, yeah, all those, all those spots you can go to learn more. Hear me, hear me talk about some of these characteristics that we're assessing for. Um, reach out and, and ask questions uh, if uh, you feel inspired to. And uh, yeah, we'll be launching, we'll be launching our uh, our new system in in uh, the middle of August, which will um, have approximately twelve uh, uh, mentors and, and counselors, uh, amongst other. Uh, uh, technical and and uh, physical skill development coaches. So mm. we're very excited about that. Well, wow! Thank you for bringing such an important topic and subject. Like you said, it's it's often shied away from, unfortunately. And you're here to to shine a light on it. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a passion, and I know uh, firsthand the uh, the impact it can have and you know, I look forward to, to sharing that moving forward and, and uh, um, developing uh, these types of programs. Yeah, well, count me in as a brand new fan, Chris. Uh, I'm all for and in support of everything you are, everything you represent, and everything you do. So thank you for coming on, opening up, and for continuing this very important, fascinating work. I appreciate your time on the show today, and I appreciate everybody tuning in, whether it's to this live Facebook deal or you're catching the audio replay in the native podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I thank you. Do tell a friend, and please continue to share your thoughts via a review. It means everything. We're going to have another episode not too far behind. Until we do, thanks so much for tuning in. Go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.